0: Let's go. go. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. Hi, folks. Welcome again to Making Data Simple. Today is a—I think it's a special day, Uh, and the reason it's a special day is. If my metrics are correct, and they tend to be, <laughs> we are at our 100th episode. Uh, so within our 100th episode, let me let me tell you a few things. One is, uh, over the course since we've started, we've had over 800,000 listens. Uh, right now, where I'll just give you some metrics just to be under full disclosure here. Uh, 8,000 listens per episode is kind of where we're at our top countries include USA, Great Britain, India, Australia, Canada, Germany, top cities. Uh, but We want everybody, by the way. But the top cities that we're hearing from are New York City, Toronto, Chicago, Melbourne, Sydney, um, and, and San Paolo. And uh, look, we've had over 90 guests. We'd have several repeaters. We've had a couple two-timers, a very, a very few uh, three-timers. So I just want to thank everybody. I want to thank our, our guests. And I want to thank uh, a humble thank you to all of the listeners. I would have never thought that we would have been a, a, this successful. And I can tell you, I'm smart enough to know it's not me. It's because of all the great guests that we've had on. And uh, again, thank you for the listeners. And most importantly, uh, it's the, the producers that are behind the scene that, that make this work. Uh, that often don't don't get the optics they need, but they are the podcast. And, and that's like Megan Helene today. She's doing the, the producing today. We've got a, a, a intern that uh, we love and, and uh, is going to be a permanent IMEA MR soon, which is Liam Seston. And we got Lana Kosick. And I know I'm forgetting uh, a lot of people out there or not mentioning a lot of people out there that are making this possible. I thank you guys because um, this has been terrific. And, and like what started out is. Just me selfishly wanting to uh, learn more and meet more people and network has turned into a, a podcast that, uh, you know, look, I got to make happen every week or I get emails that say, hey, you know, where were you? So thank you so much again. I appreciate it. So in in celebration of 100th episode, I've got a bit of a celebrity today uh, and by the name of John Cohn, uh, who is... You know The latest that I have, he, he's a mover and a shaker. So, uh, John, we'll talk about this in just a moment. But uh, you are at the IBM MIT Watson AI Lab. Uh, the, uh, the other, uh, I guess, titles you have are Distinguished Agitator, Chief Scientist of Design Automation. You've been in research. Uh, you're known as the Mad Scientist. Uh, if I could say a few more things, at least relative to what I know about you, and I, this won't do you justice, I, I, I'm certain of it, But so, so pardon me, but I know you've been with IBM for you know, quite a while, somewhere around 40 years, uh, but um, you you've earned a BSE in MIT, you got a PhD in computer engineering for Car- Carnegie Mellon, uh, I don't know, greater than 30 technical papers, uh, somewhere around four books, over a hundred uh, patents, a fellow of IEEE. Man, you, you've, uh, as as uh, do most of my guests, and certainly with you, uh, you you leave me with, you know, I, I've got a lot to do yet. <laughs> so welcome and thank you for being on the podcast.
1: Oh, thank you very much, Al. It's certainly been a long, strange trip. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I'm actually on my third career now with this MIT IBM uh, Watson AI lab. So it's been, uh, been a constant reinvention which has been really fun. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I was able to listen to a bunch of your other podcasts and I really enjoy them.
0: Oh, well, well thank you. I try to do my best. Like I say, it's always the guests and uh, I've got, you know, you're you're the special guest of 100th episode. I I didn't I don't know if you knew that, but uh we specifically sought you out for this episode. So high expectations await.
1: <laughs> that sounds I am I'm, I'm uh, honored to be here. Uh let's well, get you I- to 200. <laughs>
0: Well, we, we met and you probably don't remember this. I know you do a ton of keynotes and I think I was doing a keynote at the same time. Uh, but, uh, we had met, I think it was an Informix user group keynote you did many years ago and it was a fantastic keynote by the way, by the way. But, um, you know, we, we met at that time and it was, dude, you're very intriguing. So we got a lot of things to, to cover today in a, in a short amount of time. Um, you, you've, I think I'll just give you a lead in. I want to hear what you're doing, but you've done a bad, like you say, you, you've done a ton, ton of different things. Not only that, you've co-starred in a Discovery Channel reality show called The Colony. You got to tell us a little bit about that. I think the, the listeners would find that interesting where, I, I don't know, what, could, could, why don't we start with that? You're a celebrity in many sorts and you on a reality show. How does a, a IBM scientist end up on a reality show?
1: Well, because I would have to say, Al, that working at a large company like IBM is just like being on a reality show. You know, <laughs> with people with multiple skills, you know, yeah, always have to work on the personalities. You know, you, you've got, incri- uh, you know, really difficult challenges, but then you're magically able to find a way through it. Um, I think it's pretty much just like a reality show. Uh, that, it was, uh, it was quite a, uh, an interesting, uh, part of my, my, Travels. Uh, one of the things that I really have enjoyed about my career, I, I've been there thirty-eight years. And uh, actually, if I put that in perspective, uh, my late father-in-law, Gabe Mariano, was there thirty-six years. And uh, his uh, he was a big maker. He he was a, a machinist for uh, in Endicott, New York, and he loved making things. But the thing he made that I liked the most was my wife, Diane, who was an IBMer for about eight years before our kids started. Uh, becoming born and um, so we have about 82 years of IBM um, and in that I've you know I've moved around uh, first 30 years was doing chip design um, and uh, I we can get into you know why I did these transitions but as I was moving from that to what was next which was Internet of Things I was really looking for a way of kind of completely resetting and honestly, I was thinking about becoming like a, an elementary or middle school teacher, which is, I, I love uh, working with kids, you know, on inventing and science. And uh, I actually, one night went to, uh, I, I tell the story all the time, but it, but it, it actually happened like this. It was it a was uh, December night, it was snowing, and I was asking, you know, I went to my wife, I was like really into my head going, you know, what should I do? What should I do? How do I how do I actually really dig into this outreach, you know, working with students? And she looked at me and she goes, you know, um, I don't know. Why don't you go ask the cosmos? So I walked outside (laughs) and my beer and looked up in the sky and asked the question of the, you know, of the powers that are up there or whatever. And nothing happened until the next day. And I got out of the blue, a woman called from a, Casting agency in, in LA, and asked me if I wanted to be on a show. Uh, 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 she po- posed it as sort of a science show, and I heard that part, but I didn't really kind of grok the reality show part. But anyway, I did a an interview, uh, you know, like a, a pod, you know, almost like we're doing now, you know, where we talk to each other over online, uh, and mm-hmm. made a, and made a little video. Uh, the, the, the questions were really kind of weird, you know, like, uh, well, I remember one that I, I later found out was one of the reasons I got the the second interview Was it was what kind of animal would you be if you, you know, if you could be an animal, what kind would you be? And I, I remember saying I'd be a squid. I, I love squids. I've got a squid on the back of my telephone. <laughs> But, you know, okay. I said, my, my fingers were in everything. I was full of surprises and I was chewy if improperly cooked. And they liked that answer. So anyway, I, I went out there for an interview and which was totally un, unlike anything I expected. You know, they I, I remember sitting there on the curb at, at LAX, you know, waiting to, for them to come up and they jumped out of the car. And, you know, I was trying to shake their hand. They put a bandana over the rest of my head, threw me in the back of a van with some other people, which I never figured out who they were. And we went to <laughs> a place for three days and, you know, took things apart and put things back together and blew things up. I got to, you know, it was the first time I did a job interview I ever got to blow things up, uh, which is actually one of my hobbies. Um, and, you know, I had to take psychological tests and everything else, and then went back to Vermont. And I was like, well, that was interesting. And then a couple of weeks later, um, in maybe January, I got a call saying, okay, you're on the show. You've got to be out here for just under three months and you can't tell anybody where you were. And so that was a pretty interesting work conversation. You know, I, I w- I'd already been made a fellow and I was like going to go take um, almost three months off um, to to go do this crazy thing. And that was a very interesting conversation. But I went out there and 59 days Living in a warehouse with you know it was me and nine crazy people, and uh, I have to say those crazy people are all still really good friends of mine. And it was an amazing experience. I, I mean, I could go on uh, on that for hours. Uh, now <laughs> highlights. I will say this: I was a I've been a vegetarian since 1976, or now a, a kind of a pescatarian. But my first red meat was on that show, and that was rat. Ate a lot of rat pigeon.
0: <laughs> it was good. You though. drink a lot, John. I'm just messing with you.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I will say that
0: I do make the
1: alcohol I drink. And I learned on when I was associated with the show do. for years. And uh, so we learned to make alcohol that you could use to, uh, to run a motor and and we we used to laugh that it burned whether you lit it or drank it,
0: <laughs> but it <was> <laughs> so wait hold on what was the purpose i stepping back what was the purpose of the show you, you got to outline purpose? that for our listeners yeah purpose, purpose? <laughs> did it have a purpose i hope <laughs> <laughs> it
1: did actually you know what um joking aside but well, what fun is that put joking aside uh, it was for discovery <laughs> channel and it was uh, the genre was kind of a post-apocalyptic survival show, but it wasn't an elimination show. It was a team show, and yeah. the, the 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 big concept of it was called the Colony, and it was a big concept on inventing under duress. And since Discovery has a you know a mission uh, to try to uh, promote science and engineering and tech, um, you know what they wanted to do is show the process of engineering when you didn't actually have you know, when you were doing it under constraint. And what I, uh, the, you know, it had all the trappings of a reality show, you know, every third word was, beep. you know, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, we, it, it was, there was a lot of intrigue and stuff like that. And, you know, the, the plot itself was pretty contrived in that, you know, we were to be you know, we were survivors of some unnamed uh, apocalypse and, you know, there were other survivors and some of them were good guys and some of them were bad guys. And and we were trying to figure out how to rebuild, you know, we had sort of come together uh, organically, which really happened. And then um, what, what I really liked about it is that, you know, they, they would leave stuff for us to find. You know, I was actually the, the science, one of the science advisors for the second season, you know, so they, they had stuff out there that was, available but it wasn't the stuff you know they never told us what to do and as a matter of fact they were very careful not to give us you know any hints we didn't have the internet uh you know we we had a couple of books and it was basically what was in our heads and what i i liked about it so there were a lot of things that was it was pretty hard actually hygiene was bad (laughs) let's just say i was the dirtiest colony uh uh, there was a lot of emotions were high because they would you know, they would it was a, a quite a bit of stress. You know, you, you they they wouldn't really let us sleep uh, well. You know, they would attack us at night. They had sort of paid uh, actors that were bad guys. We weren't scripted at all. So we never knew what was going on. But uh, that said, it was a pretty talented group of people. And you know, for the most part, we got along better than they liked because they wanted a little bit more friction. I was actually chosen to fight with another guy. and I'm not much of a fighter. We ended up getting along really well, which I later found out was a was problematic. But it was it was really something. I mean, and it just got more and more intense as we went through and we got less and less sane. in the end, this is an interesting kind of point. So it was it was it was a really good microcosm for what it would be like, you know, in any sort of stressful situation, because you had to figure out you know, among yourself, how you were going to work as a team to get something done. Um, oftentimes the people who wanted to lead weren't necessarily the right ones to lead. You had to kind of work that out real time. Um, you had kind of, you never had all of the the gear and equipment or knowledge that you needed. Um, oftentimes things didn't go as planned. You'd have unexpected stuff. So it was incredibly good training. And I think from Discovery's perspective, you know, being able to show to the viewers and it was actually a very popular show. It's still on reruns. I still get ID'd, you know, I was on a bus in Nairobi uh, a couple of years ago and somebody came up to me. It was pretty weird, but I think it, it portrayed, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, in, inventive spark, which is exactly what I love doing. So it was great.
0: So I just Googled it on YouTube and I see, I, I look for the colony John Cohn, and if anybody wants to go out there and have a look at these, these episodes, I think at least some of them are out there. And it looks like you say that uh, they're also, they continue to play him, huh? So, yeah. It's
1: been, and- it's been, um, uh, it's been 10 years actually, but yeah, I was John C. We were, we didn't use last names or the professor. I was really, I was playing prof- the professor from Gilligan's Island. It was, like a- <laughs> it was funny though. Cause it was at the first part, it was, it was not what I expected, you know, like life usually isn't. And it was, um, you know, uh, I I wasn't expecting all the drama, and I almost left. I almost decided to leave, but I, I, at the end, they had to drag me out of there. It was the best thing I've ever done.
0: So I, I got it. So post post apocalyptic, got it. So it's a it's about survival. So did anybody tap out? Nope. Nope. So everybody no, stayed all, in and and made it.
1: Yep. And it wasn't there was no elimination kind of thing. And and uh, second se- season two. Uh, they also, you know, everybody, everybody made it though. It was, uh, there are definitely some <laughs> emotionally, uh, uh, sensitive points in there. It, my yeah. wife even got to be on the show, which was pretty funny as a surprise. I, this is a bit of a spoiler. if That's okay. But yeah. two weeks from the end, um, I was working, I'd been working all night on something on a radio actually. And, one of my colleagues said, hey, John Cohn, your wife is here. And I was like, how do you know my last name? And I went out and I looked out the window and there among a bunch of actors was my real wife. And that was pretty amazing. So she got to work there and she's a great builder. She's an awesome person and also really good technical person. So it was great having her. I remember though, because the cameras were all looking at me like, what's he gonna say? And I was staring at her (laughs) and I said, who has the dogs?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> I love you anything but you uh you you chose who has the dogs Life. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> like nice sounds like you married it, the right woman though that that's oh, one thing IBM issued I tell you <laughs> <laughs> so, but but here's the thing about these uh reality shows I mean you you're talking as if it you know, I'm always questioning. And I know the the viewership does as well. Is what, what's legit and what's not? But you're you're painting a picture like it was legit. I mean, you had, you actually you were you, you had to eat rat because that was the only choice you had.
1: Um, yeah, <laughs> it was pretty much. Uh, there was, um, you know, the the scenarios that were presented to us each week. You know, that there was sort of external forces people would come and attack us or they would come and trade with us so we were always adapting that part might be kind of contrived but you know we really were living in there really trying to eat what we could find and like most of the stuff they would they would allow us to find what they wanted us to find and so we had we had a lot of you know weird food we had rice and we had flour though that Mice had gotten into all of that, so that I, I'll spare you the, the unappetizing wow. details of that. But uh, for protein, Hope you found a
0: strainer to get everything yeah. that wasn't yeah, exactly,
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, your yuck factor completely had to go away. But what? Um, uh, we ended up, um, you know, eating. We had stuff, a lot of unmarked stuff. We it turned out we had a lot of dog food and cat food, and uh, cat food's not bad. I would would stay away from dog food. It's it's better than
0: dog food. Oh, that's good to know.
1: Yeah, there you go. There's one takeaway. But for protein, we uh, we would eat anything. So pigeons, rats. um, At one point, we were able to quote find a goat and uh, butcher it, which was that was pretty traumatic. Actually, you know, we had it was all done with the right, uh, you know. anti-cruelty stuff and everything. But I, I remember very, uh, very clearly it was, it was about three days before the end and we were starving. You know, I, I lost, uh, what did I lose? I probably lost. I'm a pretty skinny guy. And I think I was down about 14 pounds and I, some people, I know, One of the guys lost 50 pounds, but Whoa. there was a dog out on the street and we were trying to catch the dog and it was not to pet. We would have easily,
0: <laughs> yeah, not, all right, all right, very right. good. So, yeah. uh, I it, just just for the record, I have watched uh, at least many of the shows. Uh, I'm asking leading questions, but it is an intriguing. Uh, I like that kind of stuff. I mean, the Discovery Channel stuff like that, survival type stuff. So, uh, yeah, it was very good, and I thought it was uh, interesting. But you don't know how much is real, which is not real. But I think you've explained that well. Um,
1: well, what was important good. to me. Uh, Just in in that is that the the process of invention was shown with all the complexities of, you know, how do you team up? How do you, you know, uh, how do you ask for help? You know, how do you give help? You know, how do you um, how do you incorporate failures? And 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 I think from uh, from that standpoint, the show was really good because I think the things that actually worked really worked. And it was really fun to watch out on the interwebs there of how other people were trying the experiments that was really great
0: well the other thing is, is it looked like they kept it I, I again i worry about this whether it's completely i understand some of it's got to be contrived and a little bit manufactured uh we, we do live in the modern age you don't want anybody getting hurt or anything else like that but you want to see you know if it's reality tv it's got to be somewhat reality and it sounds like that was the case, at least in in this situation. And uh, you learned a lot about yourself as well as, is uh, you know, entertain the viewership. So anyway, pretty cool. Yeah. Mr. John Cohn, guys. <laughs> so, John, I, I have uh, I've seen many of your presentations. I mean, anybody that can go out there uh, and do a search for you, you'll see a lot of great talks. And I would encourage you to do so. I've I've seen seen them live. I think the, the cool thing is uh, to get. I could go on and on, but I think you have a unique ability to take a lot of the complex and make it understandable to the rest of us. Uh, and uh, so I could see why you would have interest or would be a very good educator or a teacher, uh, because I think that that suits you well. The other thing is you make it entertaining. Uh, every time I've seen you, you've, you've worn like, uh, you know, some kind of lab coat, very colorful lab coat and or flashing lights around your head or whatever. So it's it's hard to pay attention to your phone at that point in time, because uh, <laughs> you're saying, what's this guy all about? Which is really fabulous. So so good for you in doing that and making it relatable to everybody. So little well, every, little everything recognition. Everything I learned
1: about passion, I learned uh, at a festival called Burning Man. So that outfit <laughs> kind of came together as something that I wear out on the desert with a bunch of my uh, best hippie friends.
0: So, you, all right. So, we got to dive a little bit into this. As we were getting into the the podcast, you and our our producer Megan, as I introduced at the beginning of the show, we're talking about you've got a kindred spirits in Burning Man. For those that may not be familiar with it, can can you quickly quickly talk to this because I, I found it fascinating.
1: Sure. Well, I don't know. <laughs> it's been, um, uh, Burning Man's been going for more than 25 years, and it's a festival. It just keeps growing, but it's in the desert of uh, near, you know, kind of near Reno, Nevada, but it's uh, coming together for a variety of, uh, you know, a variety of reasons. People come together, uh, and it's, it's a kind of a spontaneous city that it absolutely appears from nothing, from absolutely nothing, uh, and then last time I was there, which was two years ago, 70,000 people, and then you know, a couple of, a a few weeks after that, there's nothing left of it. So it's spontaneously coming together. A lot of kind of echoes we were just talking about with the reality shows, people coming together, organizing or self-organizing into camps uh, to share variety of things. People, it's a completely, there's no cash, you can't buy anything. And it's basically free exchange of everything, ideas, food, uh, you basically have to be radically self-reliant. You have to bring everything in and take everything out. And anything that you you need, you have to. You you can't barter. You can't buy. You know, you some someone may gift you something you need, and you may gift them something. But it's got very simple rules. I remember my first time that the there's only like ten rules, and one of them is you have to label your explosives. And I thought I can live with this. <laughs> But um, it's it's there are many things in there. It's it's not a music festival, but there's some music. But it's mostly just a a, you know a a celebration of being human. And one aspect of it is to bring projects, participatory projects, you know, art and tech together. And what I found is it is an amazing place for for uh, kind of self reliant technology, lighting and fire. I, I happen to be a a, a fire performer and as is Megan and uh making you know the the, the mix of uh, well actually is a segue to the to work questions which I think we'll probably get to
0: um, I don't know but, at this point
1: well a lot <laughs> of keep what going. I do what a lot of what I do is is making you know com- basically electronics and computer control things like lighting and and fire and most of what I learned was through the, the friends that, that I made and the the pieces that I saw out of Burning Man. And ironically, you know, I've been doing that. I love making stuff with my hands. Um, but it, ironically, uh, the stuff that I did for, for Burning Man and, and similar things like that, smaller festivals that I go to was kind of my, um, my, uh, portfolio for when I wanted to go, when I moved from working on chips at, at work to working on Internet of Things, because I had been spent, you know, 10 years building things that were compute you know computer-controlled, remotely controlled, computer-operated uh, devices. And everything I knew practically about Internet of Things, I did. I learned by making weird things for that desert community. It was kind of interesting how how my, my personal passions, they served for a couple of purposes. First of all, they're fun and beautiful. Well, I, I, I think anything with fire is beautiful, Uh, (laughs) but they were, it was a great way to relate to other people, whether they were at festivals or whether they're students. I always built things whenever I build things, I build them with students. Um, So it's a great way of kind of, you know, building that passion for engineering, but then it became actually my portfolio for work because it was, uh, it was what we were working on, you know, if how, how could IBM uh, help, you know, instrument the world and control, <laughs> control the world sounds wrong, you know, instrument the world and help, you know, optimize it to work better by using uh, Internet of Things. And, and these devices that I made were, were both great examples. And it was always fun to talk to clients about things that I made, but it was also the thing that informed, you know, how I knew it worked what worked, what didn't work, what needed to be better.
0: So, so can you talk to at least one of the devices so we can picture it in our head?
1: Ooh, uh, uh, a Burning Man thing. Uh, my friend Homer and I made a, uh, 21, oh, so it was a seven meter tall. So it was about 21 feet or 22 feet long. Uh, it was a, a carousel that kind of had two giant uh, 21 foot uh, steel wheels. And inside of those steel wheels, which could be driven uh, forward or reverse independently, almost if you think about the, the kids' toy, a big wheel, you know, you could move them both forward, you went forward. If you move one forward and the other one reverse, you would turn one way or the other way. You could re- move it reverse. So it was run by diesel hydraulic uh, um, uh, compressor. Uh, and then in, the in, in between those two 21 foot wheels was a smaller carousel that was independently driven that had a bunch of uh, as a matter of fact i'm looking out my window and seeing one of them right now had a two-chair uh ski lift uh from from a nearby ski lift uh, i i have the fourth one of them right here but it, it had uh, ski chairs and you could turn that forward or backwards and so you could carry about seven people well six people and then the driver and then there was a, just a, a dead wheel in the back where the compressor was. And then I did all the computer controlled lighting. So these 21 foot wheels were lit with uh, computer controlled lighting. So you could drive it forward and it could look like it was driving backwards. And we <laughs> drove it around all night. Uh, and it had remote control of the lighting and, and the hydraulic control. Uh, it was built by, you know, a team. We had about 40 people, I guess, working on it. You know, we brought high school students, college students, um, I'm, I'm the electronics and controls guy. Homer was the mechanical genius, was made all by junk in about 40 days. And um, yeah, it weighed about six tons. Uh, it, we had quite a bit of uh, interesting times getting it out there, keeping it running, but it was uh, it was uh, magical. Uh, it was mm-hmm. called the time cycle. I, I think you could <laughs> probably look it up. Look up Burning Man, the time cycle. And it was something we did... Um, our Burning Man troop is uh, was organized by Ben Cohen of Ben and Jerry's, the, the Ben and Ben and Jerry's, and so we have a, a really nice group of people uh, who uh, go out there. They're not all from Vermont, but a, a core or core team of us are, and uh, so that was one one. Yeah, I have I've had a lot of fun building things for other people. My my real pleasure is is when somebody comes to me with a vision, um, and you know I I, I, I feel like between me and my friends, we can make anything, but for some reason, I always prefer that it's somebody else's idea. Like I, right now uh, I'm touching, I, I did a, um, there's a, a band in Vermont called fish, which is a big, you know, they're a big uh, jam band. I'm a kind of a, an old yeah. Dad, no fish. Dad, yeah. Dad, right yeah. So their bass player, Mike Gordon is a good friend of mine. And in 20, gosh, it might have been 2013, I built a 30 foot, Uh, you know, it's in several pieces, but a 30 foot uh, keyboard that his band, he has his own band (laughs) that for, uh, for taking to it. It's called the eel. And then I helped build a a circular crowd surfing version of it called the reel. But right now I've got a piece of it in my, I'm touching it right (laughs) now um, where I'm installing it in his house for his, uh, for his uh, kid and family to play with just to make it uh, easier. So I I love, he came to me with this crazy idea and it uh I don't know, I just love making stuff like that. And again, I'm using Dude. I'm using IBM tools. I'm using Node Red and some other components that we, we've open sourced and that's what's inside it. I, I wish think, I could show it.
0: <laughs> what's this guy? Call you up and say, You know, John, I could really use a thirty a foot keyboard. That's what we need. That's what would be cool.
1: Exactly <laughs> like that. Though it's <laughs> a whole, a whole lot of- Yeah, it's exactly. I I love doing that. I I love exactly that. I love it. And it's funny because that's sort of what we do at work. Right. You know, somebody will come and say, you know what I need is I need a system for doing this kind of asset management. And I I, uh, we have a we've collected a group of people around the company, uh, my friend Marcus, my friend John, my friend Matt that, you know, just are great at doing that kind of stuff. That's what I really like doing the most.
0: You, you really are a mad scientist, aren't you? You're like Dr. Brown in, in, in back to the future. You've got it all down. I mean, you, you, you practice what you preach here.
1: <laughs> he, uh, it is, uh, Doc Brown is my, that was one of the, the questions back on the, 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 colony. They said, who would play you in a movie? And I said, Doc Brown. And uh, somebody, a friend of mine heard that story. Uh, and he, uh, he lives in Amsterdam, and he has a DeLorean. So I got to drive a DeLorean around Amsterdam. It was pretty cool.
0: They probably thought you were Doc Brown. All right, all right. So look, I, I, I think I could continue on this thread forever. By the way, Megan, you're listening. Is everything he's saying, I, I hear the, these are called burners, right? Are you a burner too? Um, yes, I am most certainly a burner. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're at these festivals uh, along with John, I presume. Yes, I'm, I'm at them. I'm building large-scale art installations. I'm performing with fire in the conclaves around when the man burns. Um, I'm, I'm pretty in it, pretty thick.
1: <laughs> yeah, we just established right before this that Megan and my youngest son, Gabe, both my, my two living sons, Max and Gabe, are uh, burners, and uh, that we, we've been able to figure out that Megan and Gabe were within Oh well, you know, fifty yards of each other on a particular at a particular burn because they were both in that the conclave.
0: Yes, yeah, that is correct. Well,
1: and we were just talking about the. Actually, this is a great place to put it, Al. If I can put a pitch out there, as Megan and I were just saying, wouldn't it be great if there was an IBM camp out
0: there? Yes.
1: There's nothing commercial <laughs> about it. The idea of getting some of our friends who have the same interests and same skills out there as a as a as a team for fun would be great. So, so if you're listening, um, if you're listening,
0: Over and out.